Welcome into the first episode of the Two Sweet Sports Podcast. I'm so excited to finally be doing this. Welcome in to the show. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm glad you're here. I am not going to waste any time. Let's go ahead and dive into what's been happening in the sports world this past week. The Oregon State Beavers have won their third College World Series title since 2006 with a 5-0 victory over Arkansas in Game 3 on Thursday. Oregon State capitalized Wednesday when three Arkansas players let a pop fly fall to the ground in foul territory. After that misstep, Oregon State went on to win Game 2 and set themselves up to win Game 3, and they did just that. The Beavers had a total of 55 wins this season, and Kevin Abel, a freshman right-hander, fired a two-hit shutout and struck out 10 to win his record-setting fourth game at TD Ameritrade Park this year. Adley Rutschman was chosen for College World Series' most outstanding player. Oregon State became the second team in College World Series history to win the title after losing the opening game of its stay and the first game of the finals. Last team to do it? Oregon State in 2006. World Cup favorite and defending champion Germany was eliminated after their 2-0 loss to South Korea earlier this week. The Germans have looked, let's just say it, they've looked abysmal in this year's World Cup. They scored just two goals in three games, and both of those goals came in the same game. They were shut out by both Mexico and South Korea. Germany won every qualifying match leading up to this World Cup, and they were the first German team to do so, but it was the earliest exit for a German team at the World Cup since 1938. And if I'm being honest with you, this German soccer team looked like they were engineered like German cars. Now on to some baseball. The Atlanta Braves are heading into July in first place in the National League East. So now we have to ask the question. What's their plan for the future? Do they buy in now and entertain selling prospects for players to help their pitching staff, or do they stick with it for a couple more years and plan down the road? I think the best option is for them to continue planning long-term. Keep the prospects, keep the players. Don't worry about now right yet. It's good that you're a couple years ahead. Don't worry about right now. Plan for 10 years down the future. It's always good to be good 10 years down the future than just five. Earlier this month, the NFL announced Patriots receiver Julian Edelman violated the league's policy on performance-enhancing substances. Edelman risked losing nearly $1 million in salary, per-game bonuses, and signing bonus. He would not be able to use the Patriots facilities for any purpose or have any contact with Patriot coaches. At the moment, he would miss games against the Houston Texans, Jacksonville Jaguars, Detroit Lions, and Miami Dolphins. But don't worry, Pats fans. Edelman is setting up a defense. According to an ESPN report, Edelman will fight the suspension on two fronts. First, Edelman will question how a substance the NFL scientists couldn't recognize could have triggered a positive result. Second, Edelman will challenge the NFL's handling of the sample charging that the NFL mishandled and improperly delivered evidence critical to this case. Together, these challenges indicate that Edelman will not simply accept the NFL's ruling, but apparently will seek to get it overturned entirely to help bolster his case. 
Edelman has hired an outside attorney, Alex Spiro, to represent his interests. Spiro has experience working with NBA players who have found themselves in legal trouble. ESPN raised the possibility that Spiro's presence could mean Edelman, like fellow Patriot Tom Brady in the deflate gate, would take his case to federal court if the NFL verdict does not go his way. And now on to the NBA. Instead of announcing their yearly awards prior to a team's playoff game like they have done for many years, they have decided now to go with their own little awards show. And they got some of the award winners wrong. Dwayne Casey is not the best coach in the NBA. Ben Simmons is not the best rookie. And James Harden is not the most valuable player. The coach of the year should have gone to Brad Stevens. He lost Gordon Hayward at the beginning of the season and Kyrie during the season. His two best players go down with an injury, and he still coaches the Celtics to a conference finals. And really, he should have moved on to the NBA finals, but LeBron James isn't the greatest player in the world for no reason. I believe the rookie of the year obviously should have been Donovan Mitchell. I'm not necessarily a fan of either Donovan Mitchell or Ben Simmons, but I do think Donovan Mitchell had the better season. They both had great seasons. Uh, I just believe Donovan Mitchell's was better, and he should have gotten the nod for a rookie of the year. And now on to the most coveted prize, the most valuable player trophy, and that went to James Harden. He received the MVP trophy as a makeup call from the last year. Look, Russell Westbrook averaged a triple-double last year. Good for him. James Harden didn't get it. Move on. Don't give James Harden an MVP for this year just because he should have gotten it last year. Give an MVP for the most valuable player this year, not last year, not the year before. The MVP should have gone to LeBron. LeBron's team was below average at best throughout the season, and he somehow found a way to carry 14 scrubs to the NBA Finals. You can't tell me LeBron doesn't deserve this year's MVP trophy. He was clearly the most valuable player for his team this season. And sticking with the NBA, the Nuggets declined Nikolai Jokic's option and will look to sign him to a max contract. The current max contract an NBA player can receive is a five-year, roughly $147 million contract. And now back to some NFL news. After reports came out about Jameis Winston reportedly sexually assaulting an Uber driver and looking to receive a suspension from the NFL, more reports have now came out saying he had friends in the car. And now he's saying that it could have been one of them. Well, his friends weren't looking to take the fall for him. A friend of Winston said that Winston was the only one in the car with the Uber driver. Currently, Winston has received a three-game suspension And in my opinion, it's a little tiny for this incident. There's no word on if he will appeal yet. And Jameis didn't have great company with him either. Former Vanderbilt football player Brandon Banks and Eagles cornerback Ronald Darby were with Winston that night. Banks is currently serving a 15-year prison sentence after being found guilty of aggravated rape and aggravated sexual battery in June 2017 for his role in a gang rape of a female student. And for some unfortunate college football news, Monday the parents of Tyler Helinski, former quarterback for Washington State, said that he had CTE when he committed suicide. 
Helensky was just 21 years old when he was found dead after not showing up for practice on January 16th. The Mayo Clinic later revealed that Helensky had stage 1 CTE. According to Tyler's dad, Mark, Tyler had a brain of a 65-year-old. Helensky threw for 1,167 yards in 2017, along with seven touchdowns. He led the Cougars to a comeback triple overtime victory against Boise State. In the months since Tyler's death, the family has started the Helensky Hope Foundation, a nonprofit organization with the goal of keeping Tyler's memory alive and generating the funds necessary to support programs that will help destigmatize mental illness. Also Monday, John Daly withdrew from the U.S. Senior Open due to being denied the use of a golf cart by the USGA. The 52-year-old has had deteriorating arthritis in his right knee. Daly believes under the Americans with Disabilities Act, he is eligible to use a golf cart. The USGA responded on Twitter saying they reviewed Daly's request per ADA requirements and determined that Daly did not meet the conditions to support a waiver of the walking condition. The USGA also stated that it gave Daly an opportunity to provide further information to support his case and that he chose to withdraw instead. On to some more baseball news. The number one overall pick in the MLB draft, Casey Mize, received $7.5 million for signing his contract with the Tigers. That tied him for the second highest signing bonus in MLB draft history behind Garrett Cole's $8 million signing bonus. That may sound like a decent chunk of change to you, but comparing Mize's upcoming salary to the other number one draft picks, Baker Mayfield and DeAndre Ayton, it's quite small. Baker Mayfield will make around $33 million with his rookie contract with the Browns, and DeAndre Ayton will make over $18 million for his two-year contract with the Suns. Although Casey Mize will get that $7.5 million signing bonus, he will still barely make more than minimum wage in his time in the minors. Back to basketball, Paul George has told OKC he will opt out of his contract and he is looking to become an unrestricted free agent. Two teams are currently on the table for George, and that's the Thunder and the Lakers. If George decides to sign with the Lakers, there's a good chance LeBron could join him along with Kawhi. LeBron said he was hesitant to be the first star to sign with L.A., so it looks like he's going to have to hold out for now and wait to see if Paul George or Kawhi end up with the Lakers. And according to ESPN, Houston and Philly will also pursue Paul George. He was set to make $20.7 million next season if he had opted in, but after recent news, it looks like Paul George will look into a contract extension with Oklahoma City. And that is all the news I have for you. Now, let's get into a segment. Thursday was the 20th anniversary of the Hell in a Cell match between Mankind and The Undertaker when The Undertaker threw Mankind off the top of the cell and Mankind fell through a table. Afterwards, Mankind was being carried off on a stretcher and he got off the stretcher and climbed back up on top of the cage again and began fighting The Undertaker again. This time, he was chokeslammed through the cage This is an iconic moment through 
wrestling history, and anybody who watched wrestling during the Attitude Era remembers this match. So in honor of the 20-year anniversary, I have decided to do a segment on jaw-dropping moments in sports history. The first one for me that comes to mind is the Ray Allen game-tying three in the 2013 NBA Finals in Game 6 against the Spurs. I remember they had the guys in yellow lined up on the sidelines with the yellow tape ready for the Spurs to celebrate another championship. And as a Celtics fan, this really broke my heart because I was excited and ready to watch LeBron lose another finals. And then Ray Allen took a shot from three in the corner to tie the game. For most Celtics fans, this broke our hearts. We had to sit there and watch one of the greatest players of all time leave Boston to go to Miami and join LeBron on a quest for a championship and not only put the Celtics out, but also to win LeBron another title. Another one that comes to mind is the Derek Fisher shot with .4 seconds left in the game in the 2004 Western Conference semifinals game against the Spurs. His shot gave the Lakers a 3-2 lead over the Spurs, and the sequence began with Kobe knocking down a jumper with 11.5 seconds left in the game, which gave the Lakers a one-point lead. After a timeout, Tim Duncan responded with a fadeaway behind the free-throw line to give the Spurs a one-point lead. This was a crazy shot. Tim Duncan couldn't even see the basket when he put it up. Just a crazy, awkward shot, and he knocked it down. A huge clutch moment in Tim Duncan history. But that was wiped away just a few moments later when Derek Fisher took the ball on an inbound with .4 seconds left and knocked down the game-winning shot over Devin Brown. Devin Brown was a guy in this game who put the Spurs in a position to win prior to this moment. And this was just one of those crazy, unbelievable sports games slash moments. Buster Douglas knocking out Mike Tyson is another one of those jaw-dropping moments in boxing history. Buster Douglas was a huge underdog, and Mike Tyson was undefeated at the time. There was no way this Douglas guy was going to beat the undisputed heavyweight champion and especially knock him out. Douglas was ranked number 7 in the world prior to the fight, and Tyson was easily taking down every opponent he faced up to this point. A Tyson loss seemed unfathomable at the time. Through the first nine rounds, Douglas just attacked and attacked and attacked Tyson continuously, but the tenth round was when everything changed. Douglas tagged Tyson with an uppercut by following a series of jabs to put Tyson down on the mat, and ten seconds later, Douglas became the new heavyweight champion and completed one of the biggest upsets in boxing history. The 2007 Fiesta Bowl was one of those iconic David versus Goliath matchups. 12-0 Boise State was trying to make a name for themselves against the 11-2 Oklahoma Sooners. In his first year, Boise State coach Chris Peterson put his life on the line in overtime. Boise had just scored, and they're going for two to win the game. Coach Peterson decided to call Statue Left, which was a play that was designed by backup quarterback Taylor Tharp. Three receivers were lined up to the right, and Boise State quarterback Jared Zabransky faked a throw to the right and handed the ball off to the left to running back Ian Johnson. And Johnson took the ball into the end zone untouched to win the game. This was a crazy game where Oklahoma was favored by 7.5 points going in, 
And you could compare this Boise State team to this past year's Central Florida team. Both teams went undefeated and won their BCS slash New Year's Six Bowl game. And both thought they either should have had a chance against the national champions or be the national champions. And a few more I can think off the top of my head is the Michael Jordan game-winning shot in Game 6 of the Finals against the Jazz in 1998. Jordan claimed his third straight championship and sixth overall in eight years. Also, the interception on the goal line in Super Bowl forty-nine. The Seahawks were looking to win the game with the ball on the one-yard line with 27 seconds left. All they had to do was give the ball to Marshawn Lynch, and if he didn't get in, they could have called a timeout. They had one timeout left. Instead, they decided to pass it, and Patriots cornerback Malcolm Butler intercepted the ball on the goal line to win the game. The 2006 BCS championship also comes to mind. Vince Young was responsible for a record 467 yards on offense and scored the game-winning score with 19 seconds left to give the Texas Longhorns a national title with a 41-38 win over USC. And maybe my favorite jaw-dropping moment was the kick six. With one second left in the game, number one ranked Alabama attempted a 57-yard field goal to win and secure a spot in the SEC title game. The attempt came short, and Chris Davis put himself in Auburn football history books forever. Davis caught the ball in the very back of the end zone and carried the ball down the left sideline to give Auburn the win, which put Auburn in the SEC championship game. And after that, Auburn was in a position to play Florida State in the BCS championship game, but lost 34-31. And those are just some jaw-dropping moments throughout sports history. And now, before I go, I just want to hit you up with some extra headlines, a little headline speed round here. All right, so first, father and son Doc and Austin Rivers are splitting up after spending the last four seasons with the Clippers. Austin Rivers was sent to Washington in a trade. Spurs assistant Becky Hannon was promoted, and she will now have a seat next to Coach Pop. Hannon led the Spurs Summer League to a championship in 2015. On to some World Cup news. Egyptian commentator died after team's 2-1 loss to Saudi Arabia. And Madden has announced the newest members of the Madden 99 club. Seven players has received this honor of a 99 rating in Madden 19. Those players include Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers being the only two quarterbacks in the upcoming game with a 99 overall rating, alongside Patriots tight end Rob Gronkowski. Steelers wide receiver Antonio Brown was the only wide receiver to have a 99 overall rating in this year's game. And three defensive players received a 99 rating in this year's game. Those players are Von Miller, Luke Keekley, and Aaron Donald. All right, that's all I have for you today. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you tune in next week again for podcast number two. Thanks for listening. See you later.